This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. How do I live out my relationship with God who called me and who gave me a job to do in the world? How do I live that out in my workplace? That's Leah Archibald from the Theology of Work Project and co-host of the Making It Work podcast. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Nassadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. And we are so glad that you are with us to put your faith to work with yet another lively episode. With us today, we have one of the members of the Theology of Work Project team. Leah Archibald is one of the content development specialists there. This is a nonprofit organization working to equip every Christian to live out their purpose and do work as God intends. Theology of Work Project recognizes the deepest, largest, and most trusted source of biblical material related to work. That's pretty cool. Their website is amazing. It reaches 2 million Christians a year that visit that website. And Leah has written a number of devotions for them, but also she is their new co-host of a new podcast called the Making It Work Podcast. And so we are so excited to be able to talk to Leah today and welcome Leah Archibald to the Bold Idea Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, great to have you. And, and I feel like we've only just met, but we're we're already on kindred missions here between our mm. two organizations. Now, I've already told our listeners about the Theology of Work Project, just a brief summary, but why don't you talk about what that's all about? Sure. So, my work, the work that I do today, I create content online that helps Christians connect the Bible to the work that they do every day. So, at the Theology of Work Project, I've done things like write... Um, devotional reading plans that you can get on version on your phone, you know, as you're on your way to work, as you're leaving work, you can connect with the Bible, read a scripture and say, how might that apply to my work today? Um, and, you know, some of the other things that we do at the Theology of Work Project, I'm the host of a podcast over there, which you can find at makingitworkpodcast.org, where we talk to Christians who are in the workplace, you know, folks who are just doing their regular job. They're not pastors, you know, they don't work for nonprofits. They're in the regular secular business world and they're wondering how does my faith apply to my work? So we talk to those folks and answer big questions like how do you bring your faith into your work when you're dealing with the ethics scandal or how do you bring your faith into work when you're trying to make a difficult decision or dealing with issues of work-life balance. So those are the kind of issues that I think about every day. I have a very cool job. Yeah, for sure. And I think with everything going on in society today, there's probably no end to the number of angles and questions and ethical issues that we probably need to tackle from a biblical perspective. So I'm guessing that your podcast is going to have a long run. <laughs> well, Another way of saying that. I think as long as as long as humans have worked, which has been forever, right? It's been since the Garden of Eden. God put Adam and Eve there and said, "Hey, here's a job." You know, He said to Adam, "You know, help me out tilling this garden for me." Right. So since humans beings have worked, which has been forever, you know, there's there's been some problems. You know, we can think of the ones that Adam and Eve had, but you know, all those problems reverberate down to today. So thankfully, we have this huge mass of scripture that really has things to say about how we address our workplace problems and and really practically too. 
Have you uh, had the opportunity to work with any politicians on this topic of uh, <laughs> faith work integration? Yeah, because no, there's separation of church I and know, state, I, right? I, I mean, wish so, I did. Yeah. I wish I did, Armin. I really wish I did. Well, I mean, Tell me well, what I, you're thinking they should learn. Well, I, I, I'm just curious because I, as soon as I heard what you're talking about, though, it, it was just an immediate thing that popped in my head, uh, which was, huh, I wonder how this would apply and how this conversation would go in the arena of politics. And would this conversation become political right away <laughs> because mm. you're talking about integrating faith and your work in politics yeah you know so I, I maybe i could throw that your way what are your thoughts in regards to all the craziness that you see happening on both sides of uh, of the political uh, arena w what do you think could be helpful advice for a political member of government oh gosh well you know I, what I find Christians I talk to in the workplace, taking their faith to work is such a personal issue. And I'm sure if you work in politics, it's still a personal issue. How do I live out my relationship with God who called me and who gave me a job to do in the world? How do I live that out in my workplace? And um, oh gosh, you know, I would encourage politicians, just like I encourage everyone else in the workplace to do, to bring God into their work which means searching through scripture as they're on their way to work, you know, doing their daily devotions, reading the Bible and looking for the Bible's uh, take on the problems that they face. Certainly I'm not a politician and I wouldn't want to speak to anyone else's workplace, you know, but I would say that everyone we talk to, even folks who aren't aware that the Bible or that their faith could have something to say for their work, when they do really chew on a piece of scripture, um, they do get a sense of, oh, wow, God has something to say for me today. I would, I, I would hate to go into the political arena myself and say, you should do this or that, but I would love it if politicians on their way to the office could be looking at a little devotional on their phone and connecting with God. I think that would do actually a lot for our political system. So, okay, this is, this is a controversial question, but what happens in a situation where party or policy completely contradicts something that might be biblical? How would someone navigate through that? Mm. Yeah, you know, one of the reading plans I've authored for you version, it's called How to Make the Right Decision. And broadly speaking, it's based, it's about, um, you know, ethics, how to make the right decision in a work context, whether that's politics, your work. And there are three guiding principles that we look for. We call them the three C's, command, consequences, and character. So the first thing you mentioned, like, is there a biblical law that goes against some policy that I'm trying to enact? You know, that's a command. Like, can I search the scriptures for a command that says, you know, yes or no, thumbs up or thumbs down on their particular action? And, and often you can. Right, you know, there. But but sometimes the commands in the Bible, you know, there are a lot of them. So sometimes you can be read, read different ways; they might contradict each other. So then you look to the other two C's, right? You have consequences. What are the consequences? of my actions of a policy either way. You know, often a policy will have numerous consequences, like in a whole decision tree of consequences and different consequences for different groups of people. So you could look at that. And then the third C is character. What kind of person do I want to be at the end of the day? And how does this policy reflect on me? You know, if I'm voting up or down for this policy, how does that, how does that show me as a person of faith in my workplace? Um, and what kind of person do I want to be? 
And I think those three considerations, you know, for a person of faith could kind of be a guiding force. It's, it's not just the commandments in the Bible, right? Because there's so there's so many of them. How do you interpret them based on the consequences and character? That's another big question. I just keep hitting this question back to you, Armin. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I like that you did that. And, yeah. and, and actually, that was a be- beautiful way to illustrate it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to pivot back to you, though, uh, Leah. Tell us about your journey. How did you get to become involved in the Theology of Work Project? And kind of walk us through your own sense mm-hmm. of calling there, because it seems to me like that's what this is all about, is helping Christians mm-hmm. discover their work calling, is it not? It really is. You know, And I had a really fun workplace journey. I started out nowhere near Christian ministry. Um, I when I came out of my MBA program, I worked in software sales. I did online marketing, selling B2B enterprise level software. All right, you're right up my alley. And uh, doing doing online marketing programs for that. And uh, in the secular world, and uh, it was challenging work. It wasn't very much fun. Um, you know, at the time, at the time, I really didn't think that my faith had anything to do with my work. Actually, I thought my work was a paycheck for my family and my faith is what I did on Sundays. I had very low levels of integration. Um, and then I left that job to be a mom. I was a stay-at-home mom, I think, for seven years. Um, and because I didn't find that sense of calling in my work, I didn't like it that much. I thought, well, I'm done. I guess I'll never work again, right? I guess, I guess <laughs> I'll, you know, now I have two kids. I'll just, I'll just stay home with them. And then I did that for a while. And that felt like there was the calling in my life. But I, you guys, I have to tell you a secret. I didn't like that that much either. It's really <laughs> challenging. It was, it, was fun the, it was fun at the beginning, but it is really challenging. The hardest job in the world to be a stay-at-home mom to two little kids and, um, and super, super draining. So and it did, did not it. fulfill <laughs> just all the areas of my life that I felt like God was interested in me fulfilling, you know? It, it definitely fulfilled like this touching cleaning area of my life, but the, you know, the brain area of my life was not fulfilled. And um, so after several years of that, I got this opportunity to go, to go back to work, to go back to work part-time doing some uh, editing for Bible studies through a friend that I knew at church. And oh my goodness, when I went back to work part-time, I said, I think this is this is really hit us. This is actually hitting a sweet spot. I actually do feel fulfilled in ways that I wasn't, you know, either in a job that didn't really meet my interests or at home, which wasn't hitting all of my interests. So when I went back to work part time, which was for this organization, the Theology Work Project, I said, wow, this is actually, this is better. This surpasses my hopes of what I had thought of, you know, just these other things that I thought were going to be my calling, which didn't end up being my calling. Um, so now I have this great job. And then after working, there for a few years, I got the opportunity to go full-time, which I absolutely love. I got the opportunity to do more writing, which I absolutely love. And now I do feel like, oh, I'm living out my calling to be in the space where I get to talk to Christians about what, what they do in the workplace and how to love it, which was not something that I had back then when I was in the secular workplace. I didn't know how to access my faith or bring it into my work. So from my own personal story, what I get from that is, wow, it's tricky. You know, it's not just just by virtue of being a person of faith in the marketplace, you don't always know how to bring God's guidance into your work. And uh, and then when you do, oh, that's that's really cool. That's a lot better. Um, and you know, for my own story of calling, I am just so grateful that God gives us the ability to try different things and and to make mistakes, you know, and to rewind and to go back and and through trial and ever ever find something that God is really calling us to do. Yeah, I want to pick on that word you just said there, or series of words, trial and error. I'm listening mm. to your story, Leah, and it, and it sounds to me like 
it, let me see if I get this right. You went from this paradigm of work as being the probably the secular paradigm of work, which is it's mm. a paycheck. I've got to put in the effort. It's a necessary evil that I need to do in order to to live. Uh, otherwise, I'm you know on the streets or you know trying to get a handout or something. Mm-hmm. And you found from more or less uh, a friend an opportunity to go work somewhere, in, the, in this case, as part-time at the Theology of Work. And what you discovered is something came alive inside of you when you did it. So it's almost like you had an accidental renaissance. Is that right? <laughs> I would say that. I would actually, I would call it a, I would call it an accidental renaissance. There's this passage in Psalm 37, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And, you know, I think, most of us don't even know what the desires of our heart are, you know, or, or, or I had this like very vague desire of my, like, I just, I want to be doing something for you, God. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, you know, raising my kids full time, which is a desire of my heart, but you know, it wasn't 100% of it. And I think in just saying yes to the opportunities that came along, I actually did get the desires of my heart, but you're right. It was very accidental, you know, it was very accidental. I think that's the way God works. I think he's funny like that. Yeah, so if it's accidental, I don't know if it's accidental for everybody, but it certainly was for mm-hmm. you. How would you suggest somebody increase the odds of an accident occurring favorably? You know what I'm saying? You had a good mm-hmm. outcome because you only had one job basically that you went to and you found your passion. But for some people, they probably have tried several different kinds of jobs and they still haven't experienced a calling. So what would you say to that person? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is turn down the anxiety that we all have around our calling, right? Because a lot of folks, you know, especially folks who are believers think, oh my gosh, I got to get it right. And if I'm not getting it right, I'm not finding my calling and God's going to be mad, you know, or I'm going to be unhappy forever. And, you know, I think our, our number one calling, you know, Romans 1, 6 says that believers have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Like that's our number one. We've been called to be part of God. So if you're following God, like you got it, you can check calling off your list, right? Like you're, you're doing okay. So I want to just turn down the anxiety of getting it wrong um, because I think that stifles a lot of us. That makes us like unable to act or, oh no, I, I'm going to choose the wrong thing. I think if the anxiety is turned down of getting it wrong, then we can just say yes to a lot of things and, and see what really does you know, bring us the desires of our heart. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it sure does. I kind of think about, I mean, my kids are all adults now and I, I know you have a couple of kids as well. And I know when they were considering their vocational choices, as a parent, I didn't stipulate, you've got to do this. I wanted them to kind of discover what made them come alive and to do those things. And I'm wondering if maybe God's in the same way. He doesn't, in many ways, doesn't much matter the occupation we do. There's probably a number of different occupations that can make us come alive and mm-hmm. use the gifts he's given us. And it could take a whole variety of different occupational choices. Yeah, like organized crime. Ooh, that's what you... <laughs> but I, I think in your story, I mean, you didn't say you came alive doing that. I almost died a few you, times. Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> so, oh, no, I missed this. Is, Armin, is this a big part of your story? Oh, yeah, you go back to episode one and you can hear Armin's story. Oh, but gosh. Yeah, he... he I'm uh, going to have to do that. Oh, yeah, he had quite a transformational journey. But, you know, even in that case, let's take that scenario, Armin. I mean, if my kids said, hey, dad, I, I want to do organized crime... <laughs> 
<laughs> be the best at it, son. <laughs> you know, it probably wouldn't please me, right? And if as Christians, our goal is to please him, if that's number one, the, the thing that we're to live for, a life that's pleasing to him, it comes back to your character question. You know, are we building the kind of character that we, we want to have in our lives? And, yeah. and in fact, do we have the kind of character that's fitting with having been the recipient or vessel of the Holy Spirit? Right. You know, so those two things are incongruous. Yeah. But there are probably quite a number of vocational choices that are congruous with living out the Holy Spirit. And so how would you describe that, Leah, in terms of how how can you turn the anxiety down perhaps in that way by helping people understand the freedom they have in their vocational decisions? Or do you believe that there is a calling, that there is a specific task that somebody has to do and they have to figure that that out? You know, I, I don't believe the latter. You know, I believe what it says in Colossians 3.17, that whatever you do in word or in deed, you can do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm. You know, at, at any legitimate occupation. I think, if, I think if I were in organized crime and I was sincerely trying to, uh, you know, connect with God through my work and, you know, read the Bible and bring God and the Holy Spirit into my work, I don't think I would get very far, <laughs> you know, in organized crime. I think <laughs> I think I would feel like I needed to tack. Something in my spirit would would come up jarringly wrong, you, you right? Could, but, you, you but that's could not true for most professions. <laughs> most profe- <laughs> I don't know. Armin, you tell me. It was Target Rich, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was definitely Target Rich. <laughs> I, 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 had a, I had a lunch with Armin one time, and he he said, "Hey, turn around, take a look at those four guys over there." And I said, "Yeah, what about them?" He's, "What were, were they with?" Uh, Palestinian mafia. He knew they were the oh, Palestinian gosh. mafia. I'm like, this is one of my first times with Armin. Like, how did you know that? And then, and then of course, the story oh, wow. comes out. Anyway. So go ahead, Leah. Just a. <laughs> Sidebar. Well, you know, I don't think I can. Uh, I don't think I, I can one up the Palestinian mafia in um, <laughs> in my explanation of finding your calling. But you know, I do think whatever legitimate work that you do, you can feel God's presence there. You can ask God, "Hey, w- what can I do today to serve you through this work?" And you can really bring God into that work, and that can feel like a calling. So any work that you're doing whatever you're doing today, that is your calling for God, right? That's where you are in the world. God's putting you in those circumstances. Now, beyond that, if you're trying to make a decision about what work you want to do or work might fulfill you and make you most happiest, there are some things that you can look at that are scripturally sound as well, right? So you can look at your own particular skills and gifts. We have lists of gifts in the Bible and it says that certain people are suited for specific work. So you could do kind of a skills and gifts assessment. Where does that fit? Obviously you're gonna be more fulfilled doing work that brings out your skills and gifts or even brings out gifts that are latent that you want to develop. You know, and there are also the strong desire of your heart that I mentioned in Psalm 37, four, to take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. I mean, many people think, oh, if God's gonna call me to something, I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> like, what a low opinion we have of God, right? If he's gonna call me to a job, it means I have to be at a missionary in another country and it's gonna be a country that I hate and I'm gonna hate every second of it. You know, um, you know, I think that's just a really outdated model that we have of calling. I think if the best missionaries are people who feel alive, love for the place that they're going to. So I think it could be similar in our workplaces when we're trying to find work that really makes us alive. What brings you the most joy? You know, where do you see your gifts fitting in? And then where does that fit in the third aspect of it is the needs of the world. Where does your skill set and your joy fit in with the needs of the world? Those could be that could be the needs in your immediate surroundings, like the need to you know provide for your family or provide for yourself, um, and it could also be in the needs of your community or the needs of the wider world. You know, where does your specific skill set 
uh, meet. And if all of that is too much, you know, don't worry about it. God, God's first calling to you is to belong to Jesus. And you can answer that call in whatever circumstance you're in. Yeah, you know, something you said that really resonates with me is that, uh, and, and I'll state it in my own words, but I, I would say that I think one of the greatest lies that the kingdom of God has ever accepted is that a calling from God means being a pastor, being a missionary, being something in the church or churchish. And I think that lie has been one of the most detrimental things to ever happen, especially to Western Christianity, because we gave up all forms of influence and we became the people that could only influence ourselves. And Mm -hmm. we gave up the opportunity to be able to influence people for God and all the other different arenas like media or politics or creative arts or whatever else it might be because we got so into that Christian club mindset that we gave up one of the greatest opportunities to lead the world. And I, yeah, I I think it's really important that you're talking about that because I, I wholeheartedly do believe one of the greatest callings out there right now for the kingdom of God is people in business. Yeah. You know, um, I, I read a study from Gallup on the state of the American workplace, and they said that two-thirds of workers in the workplace are either disengaged or not engaged. In other words, Mm. there's only one-third of people working today Hmm. that actually, using the word Leah used, fulfilled. Yeah. The feeling fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So, Leah, with that kind of, you know, look left, look right, somebody's not Two people aren't fulfilled if you are, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a huge mission opportunity, isn't it? For the fulfilled Christian worker mm-hmm. in the marketplace to, you know, share some of that purpose and fulfillment that they're experiencing yeah. with others, right? Yeah, I, I, and even to add to that, I would say even in the military sphere, um, when Harvard just came out with their research, looking at things like fulfillment factor, best uh, transitioning from military to civilian life, best at keeping a marriage healthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it, it's Harvard, so it was a completely secular study and it came out that the people who are the healthiest and the most fulfilled and have the best transitions in the military were involved in Protestant Christian lifestyle. Mm. Um, so like we whatever but all of that again coming from Harvard which is completely secular saying that hey your faith actually is the highest statistical factor to your fulfillment to your health to your life to your marriage and to your kids yeah you know, like it's a, yeah. it's a real thing. <laughs> and yeah. These are people in the military. No, I'm not surprised. You know, Jesus told that, told us to go out and be the salt, you know, and like a salt is a seasoning that spreads all the way through the dish and makes all the other flavors come alive. Right. And that's what Christians in the marketplace have the unique opportunity to be. Right. You know, if they're if they're just pastors, then they would get one day of influence a week. But in the marketplace, you get five days or however many days you work. You know, entrepreneurs, you work all the time. Right. Um, (laughs) And none of the time. But, you know, Christians in the marketplace, we have so much, so many touch points, so much access to other people to be the salt and light in their lives, to bring alive uh, the purpose that we have in our own work. And I think other people around us will notice that. Yeah. Okay. So help me out here, Lee. I want you to give your best advice here uh, for someone who might be saying, yeah, that's all well and good, but you know what? I'm in a crappy job <laughs> mm. uh, and and I've, I haven't felt fulfilled in years mm. mm-hmm. and I feel trapped because maybe I'm making enough income or maybe I don't feel like I could get the same level of income somewhere else. 
or whatever the reason might be that they feel like they've got to stay where they're at. They feel stuck Mm -hmm. and they're not feeling fulfilled. And they certainly talking about sharing the love of Jesus about the work that you're doing is probably as remote as possible. They just want to get home and recover because the the environment that they're in probably would, they would think is toxic. You know, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. depleting their life and it's sucking their soul. What would you say to somebody like that? How do you help them recover the joy and purpose and fulfillment that you've been describing? Yeah, I mean, I would certainly say to that person, you are not alone. Your story is in the Bible too. I mean, we have books in the Bible filled with lament, right? You know, we have strong believers throughout history have poured out their hearts to God. And in the Psalms said, how long? How long do I have to submit to this God? That's a legitimate question, how long? You know, we have some of the greatest heroes of our faith. I think of Jacob or Joseph. You know, Jacob worked for a terrible boss, his uncle Laban, worked for him for seven years. Then he had to work for him for another seven years. You know, he was he was in his service for 14 years before he got any of his own sheep. That guy you know, got ripped he off. A, he, he had just... a pretty bad racket there. <laughs> Joseph was in prison. He was a servant in someone else's house. And then he was in prison, probably the most gifted um, manager in all of Egypt, you know. Yeah, that guy got ripped the... off too. <laughs> You're making me mad now. Well, <laughs> He was wasting his potential, you know, but um, it, but it was God's time. You know, when, when Joseph got out of prison, he said nothing, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, nothing happened to me that was wrong because it was in God's time and because God has used what I went through for this particular moment. So there's no, you know, there's no easy answer when you're in suffering, right? That's why we have all the Psalms. That's why yeah. we have the book of Lamentations. You know, that's, that's why we have those um, stories written into the Bible as well because there are no easy answers, but I can say that God does see that. And then I, I also can say that there is a hope that's alive in the Bible, even as we see the hopes of Jacob and the hopes of Joseph turn around in their literal life stories, right? We see that. We also have this hope that's present in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Revelation that one day all the work that we do will be rewarded. You know, one day, as it says in Isaiah, it won't be that I plant and someone else gets to eat what I plant. It won't be that I build a house and someone else gets mm-hmm. to live in it. You know, one day I'll plant a tree and I'll get to, you know, sleep under the shade of that tree, right? The hope of the new creation of God that's making everything new is alive in the Bible, even, you know, in the midst of a terrible work circumstance. You know, that's a beautiful word, hope, because that's the thing that really does propel us forward in life is having hope. When we don't have that, we're, we're out of gas. But um, mm-hmm. I, I want to pivot to that, use that word maybe to pivot to your podcast. What are you hoping in the work that you're building with the podcast? What's your ultimate, like, um, if we accomplish this, I will be fulfilled with it. <laughs> what we do in the podcast is we talk to Christians who are in the workplace who have faced a tough situation and they've had their faith help them through that tough situation. So my my big hope is that people who are listening to the podcast would be able to see the Bible come alive as relevant for them in their day-to-day work. You know, because I really feel that way. Um, you know, I feel that the stories of the heroes of the Bible have something to say to me today. I feel that the advice in Proverbs has something to say to my work today. And um, I feel that when I talk to the folks that I interview on this podcast, that they've faced something really live, live issue, like an ethics issue in their work. And they've come to think about it with use of 
actual scriptures. That's what gets me excited. So I hope that when people listen to the podcast, and of course they can get there at our website, makingitworkpodcast.org. But I hope that people would see new ways to bring scripture into their understanding of their own work and then to use the Bible to actually help them get through these big problems in their work. Well, that's great. And I'm looking forward to the launch and we're recording this prior to the launch of your podcast, but by the time it reaches our listeners, it will already be out there. In fact, you'll have 10 or more episodes already um, live, I think, by the time we yes. uh, we release this show. But I just want to congratulate you on uh, on your upcoming podcast or your podcast in the market, I should say. And I invite our <laughs> listeners to go check that out. We'll have the links to that podcast in our show notes. But I want to thank you, Leah, for being on the show. Lively conversation. Really had a good time. Thank you, guys. This is great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I mean, I feel like we could have talked to Leah for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, I loved it. And she was bossy for yeah. with you. <laughs> you didn't, she wouldn't let you. Huh? Sorry, I'm cracking up. Usually you have this, uh, you, you have such an authoritative way of like jumping into a conversation and she never... <laughs> She always finished and before oh, no, you take over. I, I love that. She's such a boss. I didn't even I didn't even notice it, but yeah, no, she's she's very competent. She's gonna make a great uh, podcast. Oh my gosh, here. for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun to I listen can't wait to, those to listen to her podcast. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Um what what uh what what struck you about our conversation today? What I like about it is that she didn't give uh how do I wanna word this? She didn't give theology of work in a box. Hmm. You know, like here's the box. This is how it works. Uh, do this, or you here's don't have the formula, it. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we gave her plenty of opportunities to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and I was hoping that maybe something would trickle out. <laughs> well, I, I think that's why I wanted to start out with something controversial. <laughs> you like did. Politics, you did a good you know? job there. Yeah. And uh, she she just didn't. We talked it. about religion and politics on this show. Yeah. I just want to say the two things you don't talk about. <laughs> exactly. You know, you get it here. And she did it in such a uh, eloquent and uh, gracious way because it, it it opened it up and said, "Look, there not everything is an absolute in the Bible. There's things that can be interpreted. There's things that could be deduced." which is different than interpretations and it and there's different ways to look at this other than just the command and there's the consequences there's character i mean she she left a lot open to allow the individual to individually have an a relationship with christ in their specific arena that they might be in and i love that because i i honestly came into it thinking uh, this is going to be a formulaic jesus in a box at work oh, i'm i know how much you love formulas yes because i'm so good with them <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't that at all. I, 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 she handled it amazingly well. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh, well, I like how she reminded us about you know when you when you evaluate something, the rightness of something. You know, take the three C's that she described. You know, yeah. the command is there a, a clear command, and mm -hmm. what will be the consequence of that action, and, and then what? How will that affect my character? It's just a good reminder. Yeah. And uh, it, I think so many times we just think about consequences. Yep. You know, we don't actually think about whether there's a command or not. Mm -hmm. There might be. You know, we don't actually evaluate that, yeah, but we think point. about consequences. Yep. That co like comes right away. What's the consequence of this action going to be? We don't, so we don't think less about character. We think less about commands. Mm. I think just to, to take it in that order, you know, yeah. if it's a command, the consequences or character, th those aren't even questions. If it's a command, it's a command and, yeah. and you just follow the command. It, but, you know, then you look at consequences and character. I, I just like that. It was good. Um, I, I love that she didn't paint a formula about how she found her own fulfilling as well. That's why I asked her, was this an accidental renaissance? Yeah. And 
and she admitted there was. And and I think that's true. As she pointed out, it is true for most people that we we will fall into it. And I think the idea is to keep ourselves open enough for those accidents to occur yeah. you know, so that we can discover that. And the last thing I, I, I enjoyed about what she said was just turn down the anxiety. You know, that's just good advice all the way around. You know, Jesus just said, be not anxious, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'm with you. And I think when we get anxious, it's clear that it isn't the presence of God that's with us that's causing that, right? It's, yeah. it's the presence of our fear. Hmm. And I, I just like the fact that she just said, hey, turn down the anxiety about the whole calling thing. And I think sometimes hmm. when you talk about calling and work, it, it has this, I got to get it right kind yeah, of totally. idea behind it. And yeah. and for her to say that, especially, you know, coming out of the Theology of Work Project where, you know, that's what they're trying to help people do. Yeah. That's like, should be their tagline, you know, turn <laughs> down the anxiety. That'd be a great tagline, wouldn't it? And she's spot on. I mean, I would say I, I got a calling the immediate, immediately coming into the faith. And um, for 10 years, I kind of sat there trying to figure out have people been prophesying to me this whole time? Yeah. And, you know, like, are, are these people just getting it completely wrong? Do they just not know how how much of a piece of crap I am? And yeah. there's no hope for me and blah, 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 blah. And it turned from anxiety to frustration to anger to being irate to being like, all right, this isn't worth it. But it escalates, you know, it doesn't just stay in the anxiety. Yeah. And, and having that freedom to hold that calling a little bit loosely, it it, it helps a ton because yeah. then the assignments that you get along the way, they don't look like, oh, I'm missing entirely. What am I doing with my life? You know? Yeah. And of course, we, you know, we covered that with Matt Thomas too, where, you know, he talked about things in his life just right. back on a, a couple of few episodes ago. Yeah. Where he talked about things in his life that he thought, hey, that was a waste. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and to come to find out, you know what? Uh, we can't see from the vantage point that God can see how all that stuff stitches together. Right. So that's a good reason to turn down the anxiety right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, good stuff. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Leah that we had and um, would love for you to let us know. You can find our show notes at Bold Idea Podcast slash 104. And you'll also find links to her podcast and other links to the Theology of Work Project where you're going to find tons of information. I mean, it's just a huge website. So take a look at that and and uh, and reach out and let us know what you thought about our conversation with Leah. And that's it for today's show. And we're so glad you listened. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. Saying, go be bold and put your faith to work. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.